everyone, Matt Wakeling here. Thank you for joining me on the Guitar Speak podcast. This is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia. And every weekend, I drop an interview with a leading guitarist or guitar figure. And midweek, I'm part of the Iconic Albums Guitar Roundtable, where we talk about some of the most influential guitar records of all time. Alrighty, so for today's interview, I'm talking to Eric Peterson of the San Francisco band Testament, a very influential part of that Bay Area thrash movement. Eric spoke to me last year and I'm reprising the interview today, which covers the band's latest album, Eric's ongoing uh, role in the band and really shifting guitar duties, uh, sharing the lead guitar duties alongside Alex Skolnick, fantastic player as well. So it's kind of kind of cool to hear of a band continuing to grow and change and, and uh, try new directions. Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free seven-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Eric Peterson, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thank you. Uh, we've got you on, on today. We want to talk about the latest Testament album, Titans of Creation, which is your 13th studio album. Congratulations on another album in what's been an epic career for the band. Oh, thank you. Yeah, lo- lots of fun to make and uh, lots of new elements we have. Awesome. The the history of Testament, it's been well documented. I guess the last few albums, last two or three albums have been, for some fans, have, have put together as a, a bit of a trilogy um, amongst a lot of touring as well. What's What's been the process for recording this album? Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much... Um I would say Formation and Dark Roots were done more traditionally. Um, we would get everybody together. And uh, first of all, Alex and I would get together and share our riffs um, and just kind of put stuff together. Alex would go back home uh, to New York, and then I would jam with the drummers. Um, I think we jammed with John Allen to you know, just to demo some stuff up. And then we got Gene Hoagland um, to come in to do the record. And then he came in and learned what John had done with us. And, you know, that that was just kind of going to be the record. But he, you know, Gene ended up staying with us. Um, he's still with us now. It's been a good uh, eight years now. Um, and, you know, in between, you know, touring a lot and whatnot, and then, we started doing things. I think we got rid of our studio because we were never there. We were always touring. And, um, we, uh, I ended up just kind of building in my basement, kind of like a little jam studio. Uh 
and I use Logic, and I have a like a MIDI kit, which is hooked up to Tune Tracks, which gives you like a it sounds like a real drum set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Um, you know, speakers and whatnot, and um, using a profiling amp, um, you know, to put to put through everything, and basically you just put headphones on, and you know, you're, you know, it sounds like if you go upstairs, it sounds like somebody's hitting drums on 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 the couch. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but in our ear, in our ears, it's like we're in a studio. You know, it's like everything's mic'd up and just sounds really, really cool. And um, it's a really great way to write, especially with drums, because you can. It's all MIDI, so you can edit stuff. Yeah, nice. Um, and you just nice. play to a click. And 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 at, what was cool about the last two records is we were able to, um, you know, the drums build um, build a grid. And what a grid is, is you play along to a tempo and you, you, you can flex the tempo to go up and down to make it feel, feel right. So when you get, you know, once you get it to how you really want it, that's how it's always going to be. You know, like, you know, you don't have to, to cut and paste stuff like the old days, but I'm probably going to into it too much, but the, the, this one, this time, uh, Gene and I really jammed a lot together. Um, you know, whenever whenever I would come up with some song ideas, he would come up and we would kind of put them together, um, and and drum them up. And I would edit some stuff and you know send them to Chuck, send them to Alex and, and and Steve. Steve would come over and learn them. So everybody kind of knew going into this record a little bit more than the previous one, which was more kind of just me demoing up everything. And then everybody getting it, and we going into the studio playing it. Okay, yeah. For the most part, sure. Um, but this one was more like we all got. You know, Alex came out a couple times in geography. Um, like I said, Gene came up like every other weekend, a good six, seven times. Um, and then we had eighteen days in the studio um, that we actually recorded at. So we got to hook the drums up and just really fine tune everything. Not rather than spending you know one or two days micing the drums and then starting recording uh the our our, our co-producer and engineer Juan Ortega was able to um you know do that in one or two days just to start to jam but we had 18 days to to go through all the songs so by the time we were ready to record I mean he had the drums sounding so good in the studio um and and we were able to build a, a grid that I had already built but just really tweak it and, and and got to play the songs together you know, a little bit more. And that's one thing about when you write a record, especially this kind of music. I mean, do you think it's you know you get it to where it's you know super killer and it sounds good and everybody's like yeah. But two years later, after you tour on it, you realize that you're playing it way better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know because you end up owning it. Sure. So you know with with all this extra 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 jamming, we really you know I think it, we really had a good feel on this one. That's, that's what made it, I think, just that much more better. Um, you know, getting the, the bass more up in the mix. Um, Alex and I trading off on solos a lot on this one. Yeah, um, I, I love that. I yeah, love that. You're yeah. um, so they're they're pretty um, evolved demos. You're talking about. Did any of that stuff end up? Did you end up flying any of that in on the the final album? So you talk about using. Um, uh, using model no, amps, because you know? they're not. Those are, yeah, that's that's. Uh, 
I mean, it sounds great. I mean, I, I put it on and it's pretty comparable, but, you know, real drums sound better and, you know, sure, a real guitar, sure. you know. I mean, it, it. I wouldn't be scared for people to hear it, <laughs> you know. Cool. Compared to some of our other demos or, or boombox tapes, you know, I'd be like, uh, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, sure. You know, but... um. So it's more of a um, preparation tool. At some point later down the line when we're when we're in our 60s or whatever, we'll release our <laughs> demos. <laughs> that could be another box set or something. I don't know. Hey, tell me about working with yeah. Alex because you guys have become one of the great guitar teams in, in Thrash. And I guess a, a side note to that is you're, you're known as such an influential Thrash rhythm guitar player, but as you've mentioned already, you're, you're a lead player as well, not... Not everyone knows that, but I hope people understand that, especially on the new record, that where you're trading off and, and you bring your own voice. But I guess the first part of the question, tell me about y your partnership with Alex. Um, it's, it's really good. I mean, Alex is such a renowned player, and um, and I mean this in a good way. He has no insecurities about his playing, mm -hmm. so he's almost like, in a way, you know, encouraging you, you know, especially... I mean, there was a time where I, I just was more insecure about, you know, sewing. Like, I, I have to, like, I have to, uh, you know, really plan out what I'm going to do. Because, I, I, you know, when it comes up to, you know, I'm in the room with everybody, I'll, I'll be kind of scared to, like, you know, and I guess it's insecurity, just, you know, especially after Alex just went, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sure. and then, and I'm just like, oh, okay, you know, I know I could do that kind of stuff, but. Um, you know, it's just over the years, just, you know, it's been a while and I think I took off that jacket off myself and just, you know, I, I'm a different type of player. Um, you know, I'm more than, I'm more of a bluesy, you know, more influenced by, you know, like Shanker and Pat Travers and uh -huh. Iomi and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, Alex is in, you know, his, his range is making for when he was younger, it was more Eat Day and. And Randy Rhodes and um, you know, Van Halen, the more modern, fast stuff. Of course, it's, you know, he's, I don't, there's so much, you know, more jazz players and stuff like that. I couldn't name them all, but. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, just between us two now, you know, on the last two records, especially this record, it's kind of, it's almost half and half. Okay, cool. Um, but at the same time, it's not taken away from anything. It's just, it's just another, another, um, you know, essence and I think another um, element that makes it that much more different and better and fresher, you know. That's what, that's what I'm hearing from everybody. Like, how did you, you do different? And I'm thinking nothing, but then I'm like, well, I'm doing some more solos and, you know, we we took a little bit more time to, to, to record. Um, I think Chuck was open to more ideas and not being so, you know, I don't want to say stubborn, but just more, you know, li listening to people who care about the record too, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and, 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 and Steve, you know, Steve Giorgio, just, you know, getting bass in the mix more and, you know, just that Rickenbacker sound, um, it's just awesome, you know, really, really, really cool. And, you know, Zahi's out of this as well. Um, but, you know, just having all these new type of elements, and even you know, icing a couple, a little bit, 
you know, not groundbreaking stuff uh, on the record, but the stuff that I do is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it just gives it that, it, it just gives it that little extra, like, what, wait, what's that? You know, some people are like, wow, Chuck sounds really good. And, <laughs> you know, oh, that's Eric. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you of course, so, front, um, you know, I mean, you front Dragon Lord, and so you're used to being up front with, with your vocals, so it's cool you get a couple of moments on, on the new record. Yeah, and it wasn't planned out either. It was more of, um, it was more of like, I think, uh, especially for the witch, Chuck didn't hear anything in that part, and I was like, oh. I'm like, dude, that's like the chorus. He's like, I don't, I don't like that part or something. I, I don't know if he just disliked it or if he just didn't hear anything over it. But he had asked me to, you know, like, well, show me what you mean. So I went out there and laid down some stuff, and it was just that quick, like, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool, man. This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cup. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. And how about guitars? Are you playing your Dean guitars on, on the record? Yes, um, I use my white signature with the USA. Um, I have this new one. I don't know what they're calling it. It's a, it's it's like a, it's one of their older reissues. It's a it's a V and it has it's like all wood. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to out of wood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the finish like the, the finish is like a like a wood finish with a black pit guard and it's all gold hardware and it's uh I'm just trying to describe it because I don't know what they're what they're calling it. Yeah. But I use that one on the healers, the the soul for the healers. Oh, okay, cool. And it's got this it's got this more kind of PAF sound to it. Are you using passive pickups or is that got because I know you use the EMGs a lot. I'm kinda of like all over the place. You know, solos I, I on some solo stuff I try to use uh non active pickups. Okay, um, yep. Just there's a there's a little bit more, um, I guess personality to it. But then uh, there's some stuff where I, I did use the EMGs, um, you know, and well, all the rhythms are with the EMGs. Oh, okay, okay. But like on City of Angels, City of Angels is more of a hot lead sound. You know, it's more you can hear the picking a lot, and that's where I use my um, the EMGs. Okay. Yeah. yeah cool. Between that and then my black, I have a custom Gibson black uh, Gibson custom Les Paul. I use that record. I use that guitar a lot. I've been using that one for the last four years. That okay. one's got a, a good sound to it. So I would say say between my my white signature, a couple new ones from Dean that I have, and my my Gibson, um, that's kind of my my arsenal. Nice, nice. And what about amps? So amps, you know. What's cool about so I recorded all my guitars at my house. Um, everybody else recorded in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what made it easy for me since the studio is about an hour and a half away, that's you know three four hours of driving. I would just get up and I got everything set up through here, and I just would use a DI 
use my camper profiler, which, you know, profile my tone. It sounds good enough. Um, sounds really good, actually. Yeah, but correct. Using the DI, a- Andy was able to, um, you know, rerun my tone through a real amp, and we went through the stealth. Okay, cool. So that's the uh, stealth. Yeah. And yeah, that amp, you know, he, he dialed that one up really good. So that, that that's kind of, uh, that's kind of going to be my tone, I think, on the new one. And that, and I think it's some angle, angle stuff with soloing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just a mixture of blend of stuff. Yeah, nice. Yeah. It's so cool, the technology now, you can, to be able to reamp stuff and find stuff, something that'll work really great in, in whatever particular mix your part is. And that's, uh, but just, just to record with the DI is very smart. I think, you know, all the first Testament records, we I used the DI on everything. Oh, so okay, if really we ever well. wanted to go remix, if we really, if we wanted to go remix Souls of Black or Practice What You Preach or whatever and, you know, have Andy remix it, um, it would be possible. You know, I mean, the drums would probably take a long time because you'd have to sit there and sample each drum, which we've done before. We did that on, on The Gathering. Okay. Yep. Um, because it's not that would be you know a lot harder to do, especially because it's not MIDI. You know, you'd have to look at the wavelength and put your sample on each hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be kind of a nightmare. But um, but reamping is is you know simple enough. I had Scott Ian on this show a little while ago, and we were talking about um, really the birth of thrash. And for those guys in New York, he said he wasn't really aware of what was going on. But for you guys, you know, you're all really key players in that whole Bay Area scene of the early 80s. So there was Metallica, Exodus, um, Death Angel, and you guys, a bunch of other bands. What, what can you tell me about the community? Or was there, was there a sense of community um, when this is all kicking in sort of by the mid-80s? Definitely, because we all play together like every weekend. You know, it would just alternate. You know, it would be Death Angel... Um, you know, possess an exodus. Yeah. And then it would be, you know, um, forbidden legacy. That was, you know, testament now. Yep. Forbidden legacy and possessed. <laughs> or it would be, you know, uh, heathen legacy and exodus. And then at one point, exodus got signed and then they ended up going on tour and we kind of took over. Mm-hmm. We were kind of headlining a lot of the clubs. Um, yeah, and it just kind of moved on like that. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of the influences for Thrash, and I could, I would say most bands would agree, was the early, you know, the Judas Priest, uh-huh. yep. Iron Maiden. But then a lot of the, uh, um, you know, like Angel, you know, the, the, the early Black Dental stuff, like Celtic Frost. Um, Angel Witch, Venom, Merciful Fate. Those bands really, especially Merciful Fate, I think that band just so underrated. I mean, they're very well respected uh, amongst fans, but um, that was a band that really influenced the winners. You know, I would say Thrash. But just the odd signature gripping and, you know, the harmonies and stuff like that. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> And, and interesting, you mentioned bands like Priest and, and Maiden, um, because now the Testament thing, that, that twin guitar thing, um, 
yeah, it's becoming perhaps a bit more prominent in recent albums too. So there's a bit of a full circle perhaps going on in, in some in some respects. Yeah, definitely. I know one in the beginning was, you know, we were a lot younger and just like, you know, you're you're the rhythm guy. You know, and I do all the rhythms and Alex is the lead guitar player. You know, we're like, well, this is how they do it. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, and it's now, now, now it works for, you know, how we make it, you know, for Testament. Yeah, that's awesome. So, well, Eric, congratulations yeah. on such a, um, the longevity of the band. Um, I, I can't imagine... Uh, you. When you start, when you kick this off in '83, you as the founder um, would imagine that we'd be here in 2020 talking about a 13th album. But uh, yeah, congratulations for sticking it out and continuing to grow oh, and, and make new stuff. No, no worries. And um, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully, 83, well, 83, 83, 83, I was still in high school, so really? I think our, our first demo came out 80, 85, yeah. and then uh, the legacy was 87. So okay. Yeah, 83, 83, I was definitely jumping around in front of the mirror and setting myself <laughs> up for being a band. That's awesome. You know? <laughs> and, you're, and you're still doing it. I love it. I love it. All right, there you go. Eric Peterson still rocking out and still just stretching out the boundaries of, of what he does as a musician. That's really inspiring. That's really inspiring. Love that, man. Hey, my thanks to Fretboard Biology for bringing this episode to us today. Please check out the links to Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course, in our show notes. All right, that's about it for me. I'm going to leave you with the words from legendary German rocker Michael Schenker, who once told me... Keep on keep on rocking. Keep on rocking, indeed. All right, I'll catch you next time. Bye now. <laughs>